welcome to the Heroin TV Podcast. My name is Lucia, and today is Monday, February 18th, 2013. Today we are continuing the movie talk, uh, the second part of our movie edition of the podcast. And with me, I have returning Kyle and Colin. Hello, guys. Hi, how are you? Good. Hello. Good to have you back. I'm. There's just so many movies to discuss. We didn't have enough time last time, and actually, I was really proud because once I edited down the podcast, it was only like an hour and fifteen minutes or so, and I was like, "Wow, that's a really good time for me." Because <laughs> normally, I tend to go way too long on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, like the deck, like the Dexter podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because we were talking a lot before when we weren't recording. Right. So our actual conversation was a lot longer, but. So um, today we were going to talk about Les Miserables, Argo, and a little bit possibly about Zero Dark Thirty, and then maybe some miscellaneous um, movie talk. And so we'll start off with Les Mis, because Kyle actually just saw it last night, right? Yes, just last night. Yeah, and I understand there was a, there's a story about the audience you want to share? Yeah, it, it's... I, and I like to get your guys' thoughts on whether how far we should apply this to audiences in general. Um, <laughs> so I go to see this movie and I'm by myself, which I occasionally do. Um, so I'm sitting there, and right in front of me, there's a, an older couple and like one of their their friends. So these people are probably like in their fifties. Two two women and a man. So the, the the previews start and the first preview is for that movie Oblivion, you know, that one with Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman yeah. coming up. Oh, which is from that the, the first one time, that looks like the Matrix? Yeah, well sort of. But uh, from the first time I saw that preview, I'm like, oh that could be interesting. I, I don't know anything about it, but Morgan Freeman doesn't usually do like, you know, stuff that sucks. So I was thinking, you know, that that could be interesting. You know, it has like an interesting looking sort of sci-fi, you know, type type thing going on there. And immediately the people in front are like, boo, and like, you know, thumbs down. (laughs) They're making like the thumbs down motion. I'm like, really? Maybe they don't like Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I said. I said, okay, maybe, you know, and and let's be honest, he's only good in limited quantities. But, you know, anyway. So I'm like, all right, maybe maybe it's that. So then the next preview that that comes up is for The Great Gatsby, right? You know, the oh, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. I feel like Gatsby, that preview like, is going to be way better than the movie. Like, I feel like that preview they spent everything in that preview. Like, yeah, that's probably the whole movie. <laughs> like that preview could be the movie. Like, just <laughs> but I, but just make a mini we... movie and just have it be the preview, and you get your satisfaction. <laughs> sure. Well, that would explain why the trailer had three songs in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The it was like... so long. Yeah, the trailer is so long. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we can all agree it looks interesting, right? Like, sure, sure, yeah. Okay. Yes. And the source material is obviously a literature classic, right? So the two women in front are, like, shaking their heads, like, no. <laughs> I, mean, I guess uh, they don't like Leo either. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Hey, no so talk then, no Leo. Yeah, exactly. So then the next preview that comes on is this Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy, like, what is it? The Heat, right? And it's they're this, like cops, right? Yeah, well, she's an FBI agent, oh, FBI so I immediately – I'm like, what is this? Miss Congeniality thing. Like, <laughs> it's the same it's a character. spinoff. But it's not. She's someone totally different apparently, even though she's a FBI agent that beats people up. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm watching the preview. It's just like dumb-looking like buddy cop comedy. I mean it could be funny. I don't know. But like the stuff in the preview was all like standard dumb jokes, right? Like – and and these two women are laughing so much, like they cannot get enough of this. And I'm like, really? Like, th- okay. 
that's that's it. Like this is the movie that they want to see out of those three. <laughs> and they just like, oh, that's so funny, haha. I'm just like, oh my god. So I'm I'm thinking, like, is is this everyone? Is this what every like the vast majority <laughs> of people? They're like, oh, interesting sci-fi movie. No, ooh, uh, The Great Gatsby with some good actors and a great director. Eh, no. Oh, look, a dumb comedy with Sandra Bullock and that girl from Bridesmaids. But those <laughs> actresses are really funny. Like, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy are both really good actresses. Like, it's not well, like I, it's I, like... I totally agree with you that. You know, like... Like, well, I, I don't know. Ryan Gosling is a really great actor, and yet... And, and yet? And yet he yeah. did Gangster Squad. And Gangster Squad. <laughs> right, but I just mean, I'm just like, yeah. all right, that's... Yeah. So I'm pretty discouraged. Uh, well, I think it's just point. different people have different moods, but also I think that Tom Cruise move's gonna bomb. I don't think well, anybody it, cares about it. Um, it might, but that doesn't mean that it Did it, it bomb won't. already? Has it already out? I don't know if it's out. I don't think it's out yet. Is it... Isn't the Jack Reacher? Is it Jack Reacher? No, I'm not talking movie? about that. There's, yeah, that movie's out. That's, that's the Reacher. one... That's not the he, sci-fi one. No, 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 he plays, he plays, the, character, he plays yeah. the character named Jack in this one also. Okay. <laughs> See, I was confused because I've seen a couple different previews movies. But, but yeah, I think the one the one you're talking about is the one where he's like sent out to something and he's wearing like some kind of space suit and yeah, yeah, then yeah. it's like got this thing. And I feel like it kind of gave away that maybe it's kind of like the Matrix. Like, well, with I don't this... think it's like the Matrix. Isn't well, you know what I mean? Like the, the like people or something because they find themselves like he's like wait what's happening like you know how there's that scene in the matrix where they find where all the humans are like batteries in that field and they're not really living their real life they're really just being batteries like it looked like there was like a scene like that in the preview like he looks at but it looked like they were just survivors of some kind of thing yeah that's the impression that i got okay well i guess we'll see but yeah i don't know I don't think that movie. I was just like, well. I feel like that's the attitude of general audiences, though. Like those people, like encapsulated it, and I was like, oh. Well, <laughs> so it's funny because only a couple days ago we were talking about how great it was that Lincoln was full of people. So yeah, that's true. I, maybe I lost heart much too quickly, <laughs> or maybe I was just annoyed by those. people. To give you an alternate perspective, back when Bridesmaids came out, it was it did really well in the theaters, and it was a comedy starring women as the leads and everyone was so shocked it did so well in the theaters and there was all this controversy and a million articles written about are women funny and blah 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 blah, blah. like it's like oh my god what year do we live in right yeah but the truth is that a lot of times studios don't think that um female comedians can carry a movie and so i feel like this that movie is kind of a result of bridesmaids where you're now going to have sandra bullock and mills mccarthy um doing a buddy comedy that normally you'd see two guys playing like normally it'd be like will ferrell and vince vaughn or something and so um yeah they probably already did that movie um in some ways i don't know if the i mean it all depends on whether this movie's good or bad i mean it might suck it might be horrible but at the same time it kind of it's kind of cool that that kind of comedy starring women is now um, big budgets are being given to them because now it's like proven by the box office that, yeah, women and everybody will go see these movies. Um, it, like, I don't know. There seems to be these weird pre- these weird prejudices in the um, studio where um, they don't think women comedians can carry a movie. And then it's like they kind of proved that we can't that they can, you know, you know, I, I didn't even think about that because. That never entered my consciousness. Well, because you're not, you know, because you don't have those. 
yeah, biases, I guess that's true, but. but there are a lot of people that have them. And actually, you know, there's the other movie that Melissa McCarthy is starring in, um, the one with um, what's oh, yeah. his Identity name Thief. from from Arrested Development. Yeah, um, Identity Thief. Like the, there was a big controversy on the internet a couple weeks ago, or just last week when it opened. Which, by the way, that opened really big. It did really well. Um, but I'm surprised by. You are. You're not. I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I'm sort of am, too. but at the same time, like. Okay, cool. Um, Because I like both those actors. I mean, the movie didn't really look like my cup of tea at all, but... No, really? (laughs) It's not mine. You don't say. I know, it's shocking. Um, (laughs) Mine either, yeah. I mostly tend, like, not even to like comedies, to be honest, but... um, Because I have no sense of humor. No, I do. I (laughs) I do have a sense of humor. (laughs) But... um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, there was, like, this this one reporter. I don't remember his name, but he wrote this, like, this, like, really harsh critique of the of the movie. Really? And, of that the, movie? But the whole critique was about – was completely superficial. The whole critique was about Melissa McCarthy um, being um, gross. And basically, it was like, how does? And there's there is a segment of the population and a lot and of critics that seems to think if you're a woman and your sole goal is not to make yourself look like the most beautiful, um, you know, attractive person, that it's like, why do you even get out of bed? Why do we even go in front of a camera? Like, there seems to be this feeling, like, like why are we supposed to watch a gross woman? Whereas nobody has that feeling about you know men. But there, right, there seems right. to be this, like, there's just the whole thing was about her weight. Like, he called her a hippo, and he, the, just the whole thing was like, she's so gross. How can we look at her? It was just like, it was so horrible. Um, and so that's all these really people, surprising. I know all like these people that, were that coming. That actually gets printed. Or, I know. I couldn't. I think it gets printed just because it's so horrible. Because then it will like get hits. Because then yeah, people will go. Because yeah. all the comments I, were I, were yelling at it and disagreeing. So it's like almost like it's one of those like combative like things that will just get hits or something. Um, cause all these people came to her defense and, and just in general talking about, about how it's, it's ridiculous that we like completely reduce women to like just talking about their appearance when, you know, she's a comedian, she's hilarious and whether or not this movie is dumb, you know, the movie's not, you know, there's so much more to talk about than whatever people think that she looks like or whatever. It's just so dumb. So yeah, that's kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, but all right. Yeah, it's weird. There's just a whole the whole there's just a whole weird thing about um about Hollywood and women who just don't fit the the prescribed like you know societal like norm. Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> like not even norm, but like those you know if like you're an actress, you're supposed to be much more beautiful than the average person. You know, you're supposed to be like this unattainable perfection and so if like you don't fit that particular mold then you get like viciously attacked for like daring to be in public like well, <laughs> it's I, like I on that... girls there's a lot of stuff like there's this tv show called girls on hbo and a lot of the um criticism of it is all about like lena dunham's body it's like uh don't you have a more interesting thing to talk about than <laughs> like that it's just so dumb well, from my from my perspective on that, I think Melissa McCarthy is sort of laughing all the way to the bank on that, you know. That's like, true. Oh, yeah, you you go, Suki. My, my next role, you know, like it's, so. Yeah, but uh, all right. Well, hooray for the Sandra Bullock Melissa McCarthy movie. <laughs> that's, we've, uh, that's where we. Yeah, I here. feel like even if it's horrible, it's kind of like okay, we'll just 
we'll support that. You know, maybe it's a good sign. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how the actual movie is. Yeah, it might be a horrible movie. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so Les Miserables. So how about those miserable ones? Huh? How about those miserable ones? How about those miserable people? Um, yeah. You know... I always forget, like, how it ends. I think I block it out because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, I really don't like, like, the last quarter of the movie, to be honest. <laughs> or of the musical or whatever. The way the musical ends. It's like... Right. And then it happens again. I'm like, oh, crap. This is how it ends again? <laughs> and I think that was kind of <laughs> why I didn't, like, love the movie as much as I... Like, I do really love it. Like, I love that story. It's such a beautiful... Like, Jean Valjean is such a wonderful character. And the, the you know, the journey he goes through is so beautiful. But... I do roll my eyes at that, like, all the dead people singing at the end. I'm like, I can't. It's just it's <laughs> too much. Yeah, I don't. I can't so, get into that. So it's the very last scene. That you... Yeah, basically oh, the no, very last, the last scene. The last quarter. <laughs> I don't like the last scene. Last quarter yeah. was a really long scene. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It well, was, I got irritated once the love story started, to be honest. Um, but that's just... That's I'm not a big fan of the love story either. Although I loved the part where um, when Jean Valjean dragged him through the sewer, and then later when he yeah. when they when they find out that he he was the one, and they're like, "Oh, you're a saint! You're so wonderful!" I like that part because I'm like, they should realize how wonderful he is. I want yeah, Jean Valjean to that, get that recognition for being awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was fine. I mean, it's just the whole thing though is completely unbelievable in any aspect and i'm not and and people will say oh what's a musical well i don't buy that excuse at all because there's <laughs> lots of great musicals that have a characterization and b like believable love stories which this one does not it only has characterization in like two of the characters and the rest of them are just like monoliths that don't change at all the whole time and you're like okay i'll, I'll give you javert who else changes well, no, I, mean, I don't think Javert changes at all. You, yeah, you... he does. He he has a moment at the end, and Jean Valjean oh. changes, and Fantine yeah. changes, and... Yeah. I would have said Jean Valjean and Fantine. And, and Javert like... changes enough to commit suicide, but... Yeah, but Jean Valjean's changes are done about 20 minutes into the movie. Now he's a good guy. Well, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, uh, that's also part of the problem with, with this, and it's not just the movie. It's just Les Miserables as a musical... In general, it's like when – for me, it's like <laughs> the the best song, the most interesting character, it's all done after the first like 30 minutes. And then like the rest of it – it, it's not that there, I disliked it, but I, I don't know. There are moments in it and themes and songs that I really like after yes. the beginning. But yes. it doesn't really cohere. and. And, you know, we keep bringing it up, and I really feel that that's more of a problem with the source material than the movie. Yes. Well, I'm trying to part... cram a thousand-page book into a three-hour musical it isn't going to yeah. work. Yeah, so it's not so much that it's a problem with the source material, because I feel like in the source material, Jean Valjean's journey is very well told and beautiful, and he struggles a lot, and you realize why he changes, and... and... He well, it's goes, not the source material that's the problem. Um, it's the but, but it's like the medium. It's like trying to turn uh, that thousand-page book, like you said, Colin, into you know this 
this musical. Um, right. By you... source material, I meant the original musical. Yeah. Not... Okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Cause, yes. Because that. Yeah. Because exactly. This particular um, movie is based on the musical, not right. on the book. It's. Um, and I think yeah, they use all the same songs except for there's one song that's like an original song um, that wasn't in the musical that Jean Valjean sings, but I think it's like the worst song, so nobody cares. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. But yes. um. And then, so. Yeah, go right. ahead. Well, we should note that there is a version, a movie version of the novel that was in the early 90s starring Liam Neeson. And yes, not- and it wasn't very good, but I did love Liam Neeson. Um, and Claire Danes was in it, too. See, she I was, see that. She played the Amanda Seyfried role. Um, she played Cosette. And, gosh, who played the Tainardies in that one? I don't remember. I don't remember at all. But I remember being excited about that because at that time when it came out, my mom had been reading the book and I remember she got so obsessed with it and like we were both reading it and she was just like everything was like Jean Valjean she just loved the story so much and so then the movie came out and we were so excited and then it was you know it was fine but it wasn't you just can't do in a two-hour movie what the book's able to do in all those pages like no, like, it would be a miniseries at 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 at, uh, at least and, and like that scene at the beginning with the Monsignor um with the the priest guy um mm. like uh-huh. It's. I feel like if I hadn't just reread the book, it, I would have liked the movie better because when I was rereading the book, that scene with the Monsignor where they um, where he takes him in, like I sobbed through all those pages of the book. Like I was seriously. I mean, I was listening to it on audiobook, but I was like listening to it, and I was just like crying and crying. Like that's how moving those the scene is of mm. of that man like opening his heart to Jean Valjean and Jean Valjean like. Even after that, stealing the candlesticks, but then instead of getting punished, like the guy gives him a chance and it's like your heart just is like, I just like cry so much. And there's like a part in it where in the book where he's like amazed that the that the priest like calls him Monsieur. He calls him Sir. Mm -hmm. Um, And he can't believe that somebody would like give him that human dignity to like actually say that word. And like he freaks out. It's like it's like there's this whole thing. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just they they can't do that in the time allotted. They can't, you know, uh, draw out that characterization. The first 30 or 40 pages of the novel are just about the bishop. I mean, they have nothing to do with Jean Valjean or anything. Right. Yeah, there's a lot more of sort of um, why he would do that and putting it in context and... Yeah, and I mean, so, but I mean, we're talking about it in in terms of in terms of the movie. I mean, there's still ways to do that stuff though on film. You know, uh, again, I think the problem lies with the fact that it was was taken from from the musical, but and that the musical doesn't do that, so that's what the problem is. Um, but I mean, another thing I had a problem with, and I don't know if you guys felt the same way, is that the entire thing is mostly in like sing speak. You know, like there's a couple of like set piece songs, but the, the rest whole of thing it... is the songs. That there are, there is no speaking. The yeah, whole there's thing no is spoken dialogue. Which, um, and which, that's which... how the musical is. And yes, I, I know they... that, but I mean, I, I don't, I didn't really think that worked very well. I, I personally, it does get tiring. Yeah, especially because it's like it's just, it's it's just so much like mundane stuff. Like my favorite example is, is like when. When Javert almost catches them again, it's it's Amanda Seyfried's like first scene where she's an adult, and like they come across the innkeeper and his wife again, like in the square 
or whatever, and like they're gonna like hold him there, and the the, the you know uh, Javert is coming, and then like they escape, and Javert's looking around, he's like, "Where did they go? I'm going to go follow them." I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, on you know, like <laughs> there's, it, but that's not to say that there aren't good songs, but. I mean, I'd always com- I've always felt that way about Les Mis, and I always compare it to Phantom of the Opera, which is my favorite, and it has lots of spoken dialogue in it, and all the- that, which makes all the songs a lot more, you know, powerful because the whole thing isn't sung. So when they do sing, it's like, oh, this must be meaningful. Let me pay attention now. But like, and there's another example of a musical that has some pretty good characterization in it in the short amount of time that that it allowed the movies was horrible but you know the again trying to trying to do that but i just it just it got really really tiring after a while I'm like all right and then some so anyway that's just my that's my opinion well, on that i don't know if i just want to step in and say i disagree just for the record okay. i <laughs> i i i think like i don't think all musicals should be like this but i think it works since they commit to doing that, I think it works because it's basically because I feel like due to the subject matter that they're dealing with, if you like break out into song in between this like intense dialogue, it would make it seem ridiculous. Like it's like, you know, it's like, um, I don't and so I feel like they make the whole thing is sung and everything that's sung is important and um, part of the storyline and, it tells you it, it's not the songs aren't just there. The songs are part of the story. Very importantly, it's instead of dialogue, um, almost like maybe I, if they yeah. just cut some of the parts where they do, like maybe they didn't need they didn't need maybe they could have just cut some of the sing song parts out where they could just have Javert being like silent with, you know, thinking he could have conveyed his thoughts if he didn't even say it. Like we yeah, would known. Rather I feel than, like all the sing song to but, be, uh, sing speak to be honest um, actually minimizes the impact of the material. Yeah, but so that, I mean, that's like, me. I maybe mean, those like in between ones could have been taken away, but I kind of like that they just like committed to not even do any dialogue and the whole thing was just the songs. And it's funny because I didn't think I was that familiar with the musical, but I found myself being like, oh, I love this song, and oh yeah, this is my other favorite song. And like, because the song, um, what's the girl who's the daughter of the Tenardiers who dies? Epony. Epony. Oh my gosh, her song is so good, and of course Fontaine's song um, is is so good. Like all of Fontaine and Eponine's songs are my favorite ones, and um, that I just I was just like I just had those songs in my head like for the whole like weeks after I was like listening to them. I also had that one in my head about the red, um, the re- re- rebellion song. Yeah, the, the red, song. Oh, red and black. Or... Red, yeah. the color of the dog. Blah, blah, right, you know, that whole right. thing. Oh, by the way, what did you guys think of those characters, the, the revolutionary. revolutionary guys? Because I thought that the actors were really good. Um, the one who played, like, the kind of firebrand who was the leader, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. had the kind of longer hair. Um, it was yeah, so funny. because so long or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was in a TV show I watched on the CW, Gossip Girl, so I recognized him. But it turns out he's a big Broadway guy. Aaron Tveit, I don't know how to pronounce his name because it's like T-V-E-I-T. Um, yeah. I loved his voice. I wished he had more to do. Yeah, well, it's... I really liked him. something else. And, and, and like, Eponine, too. And, 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 you know, it's funny that all the minor characters were much better singers 
Mm. And the major character. Because they were like Broadway people. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, why do that? In a, that was the problem I had with the Phantom of the Opera movie, where nobody in it was a singer. And it's like, in this one, I actually thought Hugh Jackman did really well. I, I liked him. Yeah. There were there were some moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I could, I wish there was a little bit more to his voice. But His voice annoyed me, but his acting was great. But Although it was a little over the top at times, but I don't know. There right, was it wasn't the whole time, his... but... It wasn't yeah, like, but... fun to listen to because, like, it, I think that was, like, intentional. But, like, his voice, it was just, like, harsh. It was, like, harsh. But, but why would you intentionally cast – why would you do that intentionally? No, it was, when... he has a good voice, you know, but I think they were making his character – he's, like, rough. Like, I don't know. Like, because Jean Valjean's, like, having this emotional yeah. – you know, it's, like, so emotional or something that they – he sings it really emotionally – well, you can get a good singer to sing emotionally too. But I mean, I know he's like you a know? Broadway guy. Like he's been in Oklahoma. Like he. Has yeah, that's lots what I'm saying. It, it wasn't. But... It wasn't bad. But there was no, just. But they, it was kind of like I feel like a choice was made rather than just ability. The like there was yes, a choice made, and I didn't really like the choice that was made about the way he sung it. Yeah. No, I like that point about consistency. Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, just, if they were going to go with all Broadway singers, that'd be great. And if they were going to go with all Hollywood types who weren't as good at singing, that'd be fine. But instead, you give the minor characters, who actually I find more compelling generally. Yes. You make them the better singers, and it kind of takes away from your lead. And it's really noticeable, too, in this yeah. movie. Like, it's not even like, oh, that guy's kind of a better singer. It's like when all those, the revolutionary people start, you're like, oh, these guys have voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so... I, I don't know. And, and like with, with, with like Russell Crowe, I was like, all right, you know, Javert. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, that, that stuff wasn't good, but like. He's uh, not a good singer, but he was a much better actor than most of the people in the movie. Right. But that's the problem because Javert doesn't do a lot in, the, you know, in in the musical. He has yeah. like a couple songs that are only him. And. He, I don't know. Like he just doesn't convey a lot to me. It's like, and th- and that character it has could have so much like depth and stuff going on, but I just didn't get that impression at all from him. Like it's like, oh, I'm out for justice. Okay, all right. Like that's all I got from him the whole time. Yeah, and, I got which, more. I I actually did get a bit of an arc there. I for me at least it worked that Javert started as like, oh, I'm all only for justice, but by the end was so broken and sort of. Mm. he'd been shown that that was an incorrect way of living, but he had no other way of sort of going about life that he sort of had to end it all. And I actually, mm-hmm. to me, I bought that, not his singing, but. Right. No, I guess, I guess I didn't really. Yeah. I mean, I, I got that too, but I just mean to me, he doesn't have that moment until like the very end of the movie. So for the first like two plus hours, he's like, the same thing and then at the end you know there's a couple scenes at the end where that starts to change i don't know i just wanted more there i guess that's just my own thing i have to say i had such low expectations for him that i was like so impressed with him like i was like wow oh my gosh russell crowe like you go like i was like wow i was just because i just thought when i first heard he was javert i was just like Really? <laughs> right, but there again, why do you cast Russell Crowe as Joe? I don't know. He did a good job, I thought. He, well, had a very, he, he has a very like um he has a very like 
growly, like a very masculine voice that I think, you know, it's not like he's like an amazing singer or anything, but I felt like his voice matched the character. Like it was, it had a harsh kind of very, it had a quality to it that like really worked for the character. Um, so that when he was singing, it didn't make him seem any less tough or scary, you know, because it right, could seem sort of ridiculous when he he's really like, didn't have the range to pull off some of those songs. I mean, no. You, you can have a really masculine voice that can sing those songs. You know, like everyone who's played Javert in the musical <laughs> version. Like Stars felt like it should be this big booming song and it just kind of ended. Yeah. Yeah, it's just because he can't get it there. And that's not his fault. I mean. No, you, you he's know, not a like, trained Broadway singer. Right. So so my question is, why do you plus cast Russell Crowe as Javert? Plus he's having to, to hide his accent the whole time. That's true. You don't need him him to have a name because you've got Hugh Jackman and, you know, Anne Hathaway. You have names already. So I'm just a little bit dumbfounded as as to that. Um, Not that I didn't. I mean, I thought that he did convey some things, but just like I'm Mm -hmm. still unclear as to why that was the choice. But Mm -hmm. I guess we'll sort of never know. (laughs) I guess it's the third big name. Yeah, I, I guess. What about I, I'm the... always disappointed when that's actually the answer, you know? Like, <laughs> But it must be. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you guys think of the Thénardiers? They're fun. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, um, uh, what's the actor's name who played Mr. Thénardier? Borat, what's his name? Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. And yeah, I remember, Borat. like, um, like so his name came up and I was like, wait. He's in this movie, and um, and it just seems so disproportionate to like every. It just seems so weird. But then it worked out really well because I had kind of forgotten how um, cartoonish in the musical the Tenardiers are. Because like when you're reading the book, the Tenardiers are so cruel and horrible. Like, um, I mean, there is a ir- irony and humor to them a little bit too, but but they're just so so much you know hor- more horrible. But uh, they were good, like, and Helena Bonham Carter, you know, she's always well, she's very always. quirky. She's always the, you know, she's kind of what you would expect if she was playing <laughs> Mrs. Tenardier. Well, that's kind of what I was the most worried about was when I saw the character posters, because yeah. they both looked like they were going to be super wacky, and I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And they kind of, <laughs> I mean, they were they were wacky, but it fit the characters, and they didn't overdo it, which was a, a nice right. surprise. Right, I, I liked them a lot. Because they're a great example of what I feel like was sort of lacking in some of the other characters where even though, again, they don't have any dialogue, but there's all kinds of stuff going on in their songs where Mm -hmm. you really, really get a sense of who they are and what they're all about. And it only takes like five minutes. Right. Yeah. You get exactly what kind of people they are in that in that first song and that master of the house song and everything they're doing, you know, basically while they're cleaning out everybody's wallets during the song, which is is exactly what is not conveyed in the love story aspect. It's like, oh, I I saw this girl across the across the uh, square. I'm going to give up my whole life. Uh, that's just such what? a movie thing, though. It's like everybody just falls yeah, in love immediately. But and... to such an extreme. Yeah. But they don't even speak to each other. It's no. ridiculous. Like, and so that's why you find the rest of it impossible to believe. Like, he's going to give up the whole revolution thing because he doesn't have this girl. I'm like, you don't even know her. <laughs> Out her. Like, she could be like a totally like the meanest person ever. You don't know. 
you know, and so I just found like, and, 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 and like I said, I don't buy oats because it's a musical. There's plenty of musicals where that stuff doesn't happen and things are more believable. <laughs> so I mean, that I have a problem with just as, as a story element. And it is kind of a big story element. The whole like second half of the movie yeah. is about like their story. That's why I don't like the second half of the movie as much. Although the actor who played Marius was interesting. Um, I had not seen him in anything before. Yeah, I've seen him in something, but I don't remember what. Like, I found him likable. Um, and But, you know, Marius is just kind of whatever to me. I liked his friend better. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, and their just, songs aren't as good either. Like their love songs are just kind of schmoopy. No. Like a heart full of love. It's like really, that's a song. Uh, like I, that's nothing compared to the that's other another songs. Thing I had the other songs are so with. much better. Because if you're oh, gonna the Eponine song, is so much better. It's like he should pick her because her song is better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if you're gonna have a love story, the songs and there's no dialogue. The songs really have to convey that, and I didn't feel that they do in in this. Um, they have a heart full of love, okay? Isn't that yeah, so I, eloquent? I mean, a heart full enough. of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really the Eponine, I felt like she had a heart full of love, and that came across much better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you, you could tell that she was in love with this guy who doesn't really notice her. And it's like, okay, that I can see. The only thing you can't see is the, <laughs> it's the central love story. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, and it's a shame because I really like Amanda Seyfried. Um, I don't know if I pronounced her name right or not. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, not a friend. Um, but yeah. I really like her, but her character is the most boring in the whole movie. And so it's just kind of like she's just there. Yeah. She's just there you being pretty. The lack of character yeah, she's just she's just there being pretty. I mean, she's important in the sense that she's this catalyst. Like, she's the That's one that Jean Valjean's doing everything for. But, but she just is there, just existing. So it's just like I kind of feel bad for her. That that's the character she had to play because it's like the most boring one right but. the love story is the most superficial because it's just oh pretty girl and i think child cosette is a lot more interesting than adult cosette you know and and she's only in it for like you know 15 minutes or whatever and then you know then it's like eight years later or whatever but um yeah i mean there's there's zero like character arc there at all it's like oh i'm gonna marry this guy i guess i don't even know his name that's fine you know so that's i mean that's sort of a story elements that i had an issue with and i mean i guess we should talk about anne hathaway though since we haven't really mentioned her at all yeah because we had talked about her on the last podcast um so what did you think now that you've seen the performance I thought she was really good, and and I can see I can see what you were saying before in terms of why she should win. Um, I would I would be happy with with a, with her if she it, with with her winning. I think the, the Academy Award, yeah, for the supporting actress. Because I mean, out of everyone in the movie, I thought she was the one that conveyed the most with you know what she had to work with, <laughs> and. Um, you know that 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 the scene where she sings, you know, the the song is is yeah, really so heartbreaking. Uh, where that, that yeah. whole scene where it's just the whole close up of her and she's yeah, in, you know, that was just, something oh, else so I, sad. That like I they did that a lot where it was just like their face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that actually bugged me because it did uh, bug basically me. Basically, the yeah. whole movie is a close up, and I think it's because you know if you have a musical, 
you can't get a close up. So right. when you finally have a movie, you can sort of do a close up and, and really get at the emotion of the actor. But it's like uh-huh. the director thought that's a great idea and just did that. And uh-huh. it was like, okay, I get it. A face. Right. You thought, I thought they it was could have been more idea. creative with the way they they visualized it? Yeah, yeah. once in a while there'd be a really a, a neat shot or a creative shot, especially around the barricades. And then it would be back to people's faces singing. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought it was like, a great a great choice to do that with Fantine. Yeah. And Anne Hathaway really conveyed that. I mean, you must you have to think about how hard it must have been to film that because she had to just really let all that emotion flow out for that whole song and it's right on her face the whole time so it's not like different cuts or not no. too many cuts so i mean that must have been really really hard to yeah. do over and over again but like you don't have to do that for every single song right every single actor like do something different you know um, it felt like the constant singing to me it just got tiring there was mm-hmm. no there was you just no wanted like something else to go on Right, especially because the, the the they could have done like really just I don't know how to say the uh, you know the sets and everything. I mean, the, there was a lot of things they could have done with this period of like French history, you know, that they kind of did. But then, especially in the songs, they could have had a lot more uh, visuals. I thought. But... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I guess that's why the director didn't get a nomination. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> for the Academy Award. He didn't get anything, any nomination. Yeah, I'm not surprised by. Um, that. I don't know who directed it. I should look that up. Um, uh, Tom Hooper. I think. Oh my gosh, Tom Hooper, and he's the one who won it. Who um did the King's Speech? Tom Hooper. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. Yeah, Tom Hooper yeah, did the King's Speech, which won for Best Picture. Did he win for Best Director too? That I don't know. I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that movie was really good. But I mean, I, I like this better than the King's Speech, although it didn't have Colin Firth in it. So that was in its in its <laughs> uh, minus column. No Colin Firth. It's not as good. Right. But I did it's probably a, like the movie better than than the King's Speech because I don't know. Well, I mean, they're completely different. Yeah, I mean, they're completely different, but. I mean, I really loved, I really enjoyed the movie, but I, I think all, like, all, most of those, you know, the criticisms are valid, and, like, especially the character development aspect, and it getting a little tiresome, you know, it's just, um, but there were some interesting, there were some really great little parts to it, and the, for me, like, my favorite, since, since the best part of the movie to me was Fontaine, I feel like, um, you know, I'll be happy for Anne Hathaway if she wins, even though all those people don't like her, I say suck it up and give her what she deserves. <laughs> yeah, basically. I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Sally Field won. I'd be like, you know, good job, Sally. But if, you know, Anne Hathaway, Sally I feel Field's like, already got some Academy Yeah, award. she already got her, Nor- <laughs> didn't she get for Normal Ray? Yeah. Which she should have. That was good. How many does she need? How many does she no, need? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. It's and, and and I think you know the thing I kind of enjoyed as much. A lot of it was just the music, but it's like the music. You know, they didn't make it up for the for the movie, so it's not really like an act of genius on the movie creator's part, <laughs> you know. Um, right. The the act of genius right. would have been adapting that to the screen in a way that works. Um, 
Yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> but it was definitely, I mean, given, given the trickiness of making a musical, I mean, I think it was a pretty admirable uh, adaptation, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but I did, for the most part, really enjoy it. But I, it wasn't like, this is the best movie in the whole world, but I really... I to rush out and buy the DVD. Yeah, but uh. I did really, <laughs> you know really did enjoy it right having seen it now i will say that hugh jackman should not win over daniel day lewis yeah i, I know mean, we talked like, about that last time but... yeah it's like i like him but i feel like part of what he was doing in that movie was like kind of intentionally overacting was kind of like that was like kind of must have been what he was supposed to be doing you know because it's like that's kind of part of the whole musical thing where he's there's all these scenes where he's supposed to just be in this pain. And yeah, I didn't think it was really Oscar worthy <laughs> performance, but he was good. I'm not saying he wasn't good. Like, I think. Oh, no, I think job, he was but... very good. But up and... against the Lincoln performance, no. No. Yeah. And then his voice kept on annoying me in some of the songs. So that was <laughs> bugging me. Yeah. So yay, lame is. I mean, you know, <laughs> <sighs> I enjoyed it. And. I still haven't finished the book um, in my well, reread, that's, uh, but that's because it's all about Marius and his stupid family right now, and I don't care about him and his stupid family. And I'm just like, oh, I should just like fast forward to the part where we get back to Jean Valjean. But then, really, everything's going to be about these stupid Marius and Cosette. So, ugh, it's a waste. Well, what you need is a time machine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I need like an edition of the book that's just like only has all the Jean Valjean. And Fontaine stuff. <laughs> the abridged version. There's yeah. no Marius and adult Cosette. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. the kid was really good. I forgot to mention oh, yeah. the, the little really... kid um, who yeah. dies so tragically. Um, Hugh did a good job. The little actor. Yeah, normally when there's a kid, you're like, oh, God. But, like, he, he actually was pretty good, I thought. Yeah, he was. I always think it's funny in movies set in France, in this case, or wherever. Oh, I was just about to say. they're all British. <laughs> like, he's taught me because he's lower class. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it was unabashed, too. Oh, yeah. Like, no, they weren't like, hiding it. Oh, no. You're like, yes, Les Mis is a British production. We I mean, we all know that. But like, <laughs> Didn't you know were... anything that happened in the past was yeah. British people, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Like, but we're certainly not going to cast like French actors. In the movie, forget that. Um, poor French. It's like, don't they ever be like, gosh, why don't we get cast in movies about France? Yeah, I know. <laughs> they should make their own movies about France. <laughs> they should. <Yeah. laughs> French cinema doesn't exist, obviously. Yeah, they never make their own movies. No. <laughs> but still, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I guess we'll move on to Argo because I loved Argo and I was late to seeing it. Like, every, I remember when it first came out, everybody was like going crazy about how good it was. And I was just like, huh, looks okay. It looks not very good to me. I didn't think it would be interesting because I seen the preview and it just kind of seemed weird, <laughs> like according to the preview. But then I saw it and I loved it and I was amazed. So, what did you guys think? Yeah, I didn't see it until a few weeks ago, also. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, I really liked what they did with. Uh, I thought all the supporting characters were like spot on. 
really well done. Um, I really like the direction actually in, 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 in a lot of the scenes. Ooh, we should talk about that because um, Ben Affleck was snubbed. Right, I know. He did not get a Best Director nomination, where, even though he's been winning like every other director award. Um, he, right, and I'm surprised by that. Yeah, he won for the Golden Globes, and um, he I think he won the Director's Guild Award as well, and um, everybody seemed really like of- offended by the, by the fact that he didn't get nominated. Um, especially, well, and actually that brings up a subject. Okay. So for some reason nowadays on best picture, they give us, let's see, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but every other category is like five, you know, um, like there are only five actors nominated, only five, you know, and it's like, why do they do, it's like, I think, I think they do this nine thing because they want to include more movies to like make it more marketable or something. So more popular movies, but it's like. You'd think out of all those movies that Argo would have gotten the the director. Well, Argo I mean, is up for best picture. It is. It's up for yeah. best picture, and so you would have thought, you know, out of those ones, the only ones that got the um, director noms were Amour, which is the one we haven't seen, Beast of Southern, Southern Wild, which we haven't seen, Life of Pi. Ang Lee directed that, so at least he's a name I know. And then Steven Spielberg for Lincoln, and David O. Russell for Silver Linings. Yeah, but it's like Argo is such a more like making that that project is like a crazy project. Like to make that movie, I mean, there's so much involved. I can't um, yeah imagine. I feel like it must have been one of the hardest ones to make. Um, well, there's so many different elements in it too, and they all did blend really well. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got you've got the the movie guys, which I loved. Oh, they're fantastic. Uh, John Goodman. I just love him and everything, but he was fantastic yeah. in this movie once again. And uh, then you've got like the CIA guys and then you've got all this stuff going on, you know, actually at the embassy and then, you know, at the ambassador's house and all that stuff. And it all just really weaved together seamlessly, I thought. And Without um, feeling that's... like a hokey action movie where they have to call right. the CIA and there's a guy that's like, oh, oh no, we have to pull him out. No. Yeah. And then – and. I, a lot of that had to do with the people they cast and like mm-hmm. uh, I know we were talking before and Colin was mentioning Brian Cranston um, who I love because I love Breaking Bad but then you know he's great in, in this movie yeah I was not expecting to see him so I was really happy about that yeah and there were so many like little people that I know from TV like it's like hey it's that guy hey it's that guy like all over the whole movie like mm-hmm. um like Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights was was one of the um guys who worked at the White House um or the or the CIA like I, I don't know which part of who he worked for I think he might have worked like under the president he was the one that was like denying them access or something Mm-hmm. But um, but then there were just all these random people, like um, guy from Buffy showing up, a guy from Smallville. Like it was just it was fun to see like um, just so many actors who I knew. And the guy who played the Canadian ambassador, mm-hmm. who they were staying at his house, Victor Garber, he mm-hmm. was one of the um, main characters on Alias, which is one of my favorite shows. And he um, and Alias, obviously Jennifer Garner was starred in. Um, he like performed Jennifer and uh, Ben's wedding. Um, he's like 
a good oh, he's, friend he's, of he's the family. Yeah. yeah, he's a good friend of their family. Like, he and Jennifer Garner are still best friends. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see him because I know, like, he is... He was in Titanic, too, um, wasn't he? Yes, he's in Titanic. Yeah. And he's he's somebody who's been around forever, but he's done a lot of, um, like, brought, he's done um, stage and theater and different things like that. Um, and right. so he's never really had, like, a leading role in in any big movies, but he'll, he'll show up in a lot of movies. He'll be like, Oh yeah. Okay, good. I know. him, right, But I, right. I really love him. He's so good on alias. So it was really fun to see Victor Garber. And, um, I just, it was just fun to see. There's just so many great little characters. I like that. They didn't, they didn't have any like huge stars other than Ben Affleck. Um, it was kind of all really good character actors, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, and because it was such it's an ensemble, the theme the whole, of the movie. yeah, exactly. That was like the theme of the movie. It's just all these people. It was such a big, big endeavor that they were doing, and it just involved so many people. You know, it just um, so it was really just sort of fascinating. And you get pulled into the story, like, oh my gosh, how much did you guys freak out during the scene when they're trying to like take off in the plane? Like, I'm like sitting there, like clutching like the armrest. I'm just like, oh my god, when are they gonna freaking take off? Like, I was just so stressed out. Yeah, and yeah. you know it's gonna end fine because you know how it ends. But... I know. It's like even though I yeah, knew, exactly. even though I knew I was so stressed out, I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, like because it really invests you into the, even though you don't really know a lot of the characters that well, but you still get invested in it. Like you really want him to get these people yeah. to safety, you know? <laughs> right. And that's and... the mark of good direction, right there. Yeah. Is when you you spend a limited amount of time with characters and you know the ending and you still care, you know? Right. That's I was just about to say that exact thing. That's the direction. Right, that's all that is. Yeah, and I. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was gonna say to me that's like a a a Vonnegut novel, and that he usually tells you what the ending is right away. Mm -hmm. So the mark of good authorship in that case, instead of directing, is that you still care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another thing that I thought was great that's entirely the directing was were the scenes where they're all in the crowd, like the crowd. Oh yeah. That those were stressful. Yeah, and it's like in so good. Yeah, that could easily have been mishandled. It, it, you know, by by someone else doing that. And in all those scenes at the beginning, like in the very first scene of the movie, where you have the embassy being like overrun, like uh-huh. it felt like you were watching footage. Like it felt like, and that's how a lot of the movie felt. Like a lot, it felt like you were watching footage from the from that time period or something. You know, like it, it felt so real. It didn't feel like those were actors. <laughs> yeah, and you I know? have kind of the uh, the opposite reaction from, okay, I knew at the end of this movie they get away, but I still cared. And in that opening scene, I was like, oh, I hope they get away, knowing that they will. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> not the ones who escape, obviously, but the rest of the people in the embassy. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, it's like, you know they're not going to oh, get out. Yeah, that no, part. I really, I was like, oh, they should just start like shooting up the place so that they keep the protesters out. And I'm like, but I know that's not going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. There's there was a lot of things also with this movie that you got an interesting like insight into um, so that it was good in 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 other ways, too, like where it would it was showing sort of what what is government policy when an embassy is about to get overrun? I mean, Mm -hmm. soldiers didn't try to kill anyone. They were like, what are they even there for? You know, and. How they have to shred everything, and they were like trying to destroy yeah. the temp, the the metal, um, like things, the the template things, right? 
Like, it was really fascinating. And it was a cool choice. It was a cool choice for, I mean, the whole premise of the movie is they're telling the story of these um, eight people. Were they eight people or nine people? Eight people? Um, Six people? Six, yeah. Six, okay. Six people who escape um, and are staying in that embassy. But, you know, like you said, there's all those other people who are still captured, right? All the people in the embassy get, like, stay captured mm-hmm. for, like, a year, right, before they get released. Um, and so that's the much bigger story, like, you know, how that whole thing goes down and all those people who are, like, um, you know, we saw, like, only one quick shot of them in the in the room, like, with the bags over their head, thinking well, yeah. they're going to get killed, yeah. right? And it's like it's like harrowing, and it's very like intense. And I mean, somebody could yeah, have made a, somebody could effective. have made a movie like just about that. But I like that this was a smaller subject, so it could really get into. It wasn't. It didn't feel as big as some of those other subjects, and in and in that way, it was able to actually um, be a better movie because it didn't try to do too much. It tried to tell this like smaller story that was part of this. You know, it, it had these huge stakes, right. and it was very important. But it, uh, it was like a more intimate movie than it would have been if it was like going to be, you know, showing well, President Carter and his negotiations and and yeah. uh, and these all these guys with guns and torturing these people and you know whatever. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That it wasn't it wasn't trying to be epic. That's that's exactly right. Um, and it, yet it managed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like in 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 kind of focusing on that smaller aspect and and what did you guys think of the whole the whole movie um uh subplot of you know basically that i mean that that cover story of argo (laughs) oh i thought it was great that was that that also gave you a neat little insight into like you know late 70s like hollywood (laughs) Mm -hmm. that or that whole thing and I, i thought that was fantastic where you know they they get like the producer and the guys and, and it's interesting that those are real people and that they actually did all of that stuff is is what makes this even better as a yeah. film i think mm-hmm. it's not just that somebody thought this up and made a movie it's that that guy really did exist and he really was a producer and they really did buy the rights to that thing and make this fake movie and, <laughs> and all this and it's just like that is really really interesting um, you know, just just on that level, also. Very true. Very true. It's like almost like you couldn't wouldn't believe it unless you knew it was true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And just from a sort of storytelling standpoint, it's really I don't know exactly how to unpack all the layers, but it's neat that you have Ben Affleck making a movie with a bunch of character actors, like we said, in which he plays a guy who is directing a bunch of character <laughs> actors, essentially. Right. But also, there's like this fake movie that's being involved, and I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff going on there that I wish yeah. I had more time to think about. <laughs> right? Yeah, th- that was really interesting. That the fact that he's directing it, but he's in the movie, and that's there's also he's like, well, I'll be the director, and you're like, oh, haha, like, yeah, of course you will. <laughs> you, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it makes sense for his character to be the director, you know, in that scenario they've concocted. But also, <laughs> it's just like there's that whole there is that whole other layer you know there that you're like you're saying it's like wait he is the director but so that's definitely interesting that it's it's all like sort of operating subconsciously i think by that point um you're not actually sort of actively thinking about it no which again is another mark of good storytelling where it's like you know there's all these other layers but you're like all right 
you think know about that you're looking at the actual director in this scene, but you're not thinking about like, well, how is he directing this? Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yeah, I, I just it felt it was definitely what it just definitely was one of those movies that it completely wrapped you into it where you didn't feel like like on all those scenes where he's dealing with the um, the officials in. Um, I'm having a brain a brain loss. When when he's dealing with the remember like he has to go get a film permit when they're yeah. there. Uh-huh. Um you don't feel like that person's an actor like at all. Like I feel like I got completely enveloped into the world and like the housekeeper, I was like, "Oh my gosh, is she going to tell on them or not?" and oh, yeah. and yeah. then when yeah. she gets she she stands up for them and then she has to like go to um did she have to go to I- Iraq or Saudi yeah. Arabia? She goes to Iraq, yeah. She goes to Iraq. Um it was just like you're just like oh what what's gonna happen to her and oh the other thing was at the very beginning they're kind of telling you a little bit of a history lesson about Iran mm-hmm. um, and sort of um, what went through which I thought was really it was effective and efficient the way they handled it it sometimes that could be very clumsy something like that could be clumsy it what and it. I said it gave you the necessary background, which was nice. And I thought it was pretty even-handed. Like, it didn't sort of pull punches about what the Americans and British had done wrong. But it also wasn't kind of like, and then the glorious Iranian Republic was wonderful and everything was happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, yes. It was very fair, I thought, in terms of what they were showing. I mean, they're, they're giving you the explanation, okay, this is why people in Iran are actually upset about the Shah. And, yeah. <laughs> you know? and rightfully so. Right. Right. Rather than, yeah. Yeah, and I recommend if anybody's interested in reading more about some of the history of Iran, and um, we read All the the Shah's Men in, um, was that Professor Patch's class? Um, I have not read it. Anyways. I have not. You didn't read it, All the Shah's Men? Mm -mm. In one of the History 20 classes I took, um, we we assigned this book, um, all the Shaw's men for the students. And I really enjoyed it. And it told the story. It's, it's, it's a nonfiction book. It tells the story of basically the CIA, um, operation to get rid of Mossadegh, um, and assassinate him and sort of the legacy that that left on the country of Iran and how, um, how the kind of the U S sort of ruined their relationship with Iran, um, because of that, that act. And, um, it's really fascinating look at just, I don't know, it was just, it's really interesting and it kind of explains a lot about the relations between different, some of the different countries in the, in the Middle East because of, um, the sort of action that was taken to protect these, the oil, because basically England didn't want to lose, when Mossadegh nationalized, um, the oil wells, um, BP was going to lose billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to take back their oil wells, and uh, they couldn't have that. They were Britain didn't want to lose billions of dollars, and so they convinced <laughs> well, sure. the U.S. because the U.S. cared more about what Britain thought than what Iran thought. Um, and there were some people that were involved in the CIA that were particularly supportive of Britain. That it was. It's kind of funny how certain personalities and certain people can affect our country's future for like <laughs> a century because certain people decide to make a choice that have it wasn't like we voted as a country oh we want to um make iran suffer it's like 
couple people who weren't even elected, you know, can convince the president that this is the right thing, and then we right. Well, just we just to tie that just to tie that kind of stuff. idea back to the movie, right? You've got the Ben Affleck character who is a personality who, by himself, basically decides that he's going to go through with this mission, and it changed those six people's lives forever. Yeah. <laughs> You know, with uh, so I mean, and he was also he was a CIA agent. So you see, there there you can you can work, but it can work both ways. Yeah, uh, you know from yeah. the and that the kind negative. of ties into what we were saying earlier about how the movie isn't trying to tell this big giant story about you know Iran and the revolution. It's telling this smaller story, but mm-hmm. it's better for right. it. Yeah, right. you didn't get too bogged down. Like it could have been. I didn't ever felt like it was too complicated. Or I wasn't understanding what was going on. You felt like you knew what the stakes were and everything. Because I think it is a really complicated thing. If you were to make a movie about it from a more like macro perspective where you wanted to involve more of the aspects of the revolution and of why people were upset, it could just be... Yeah, like, you'd be exhausted by the end of the movie. You know, you'd just be like, oh, God, it'd be like Syriana. Um, <laughs> just... But just to tie this into something. So you, you agree this was a pretty... Uh, it's an easy movie to follow what's going on, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, that's funny because at the end of when I saw it, which was only a couple days ago, um, you know, we got to this two hour long movie that I think is very easy to follow and very straightforward, um, which is a compliment to it because it is dealing right. with complicated stuff. Right. And then at the end, as the credits roll, this older woman behind me goes, So were those people prisoners or what? <sighs> Oh like, God! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. That's wow. I know. No, like, is the answer. I pick up on that for six for two hours. I just <laughs> they're being held prisoner in the Canadian. <laughs> I guess they were like thinking when they went into the movie, they knew it was going to maybe deal with the hostage crisis, and then they were like, "Wait, so were those people?" <laughs> but then it didn't actually deal with the hostage crisis. It dealt with what happened. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they're like, well, I'm going to not follow what's going on in the movie because I have preconceived notions of what it's supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so depressing. Yeah, it was. So I, I guess the, the key there is to never see a movie in a theater <laughs> where you might be subjected to other people around you. <laughs> uh, and how sad is that? When I went to see it, we went to like a matinee um, – and it was on the weekday because um, on in Florida we do these like five dollar movies on Tuesday, and the whole theater was totally full. But it was all people like it was all senior citizens. Like everybody was except for you, like at least sixty five. Yeah, except for me. And um, <laughs> and me and my mom were the youngest people there. And um, and at the beginning we were there early, thankfully, so we got good seats. And at the beginning, you know how they show commercials? And it had just yeah. been the Super Bowl, so they were showing some of the Super Bowl commercials. They showed mm. that Taco Bell one where the old people are dancing. And I felt oh, yeah. really, like, embarrassed to be in there. with Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, they probably think this is so dumb. <laughs> you know, like that Taco Bell one for all the yeah, old right. people They're are partying all, all night. I was, like, I was like, this feels <laughs> awkward, I feel like. Because <laughs> I'm in this room full of seriously so it's like this this feels a little awkward um but but yeah i don't know movie theaters i wish i to be honest i wouldn't i wish we could just i wouldn't mind going to like a video on demand system of course you know i don't want theaters to like die but 
but it is more pleasant a lot of the time just to watch a movie at home. I would like so many things. I love theaters, and I love seeing movies in theaters. I just don't like the people. Yeah, exactly. What what we need is a private theater that we can just go to with our friends. Like if like we could just all like go to a movie <laughs> theater and just hang like that. To me, that would be the best uh, the best solution there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we found a new project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, who's building the theater? <laughs> Not it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Well, I guess we're all agreed that we all thought Argo was great, so... Yeah. If you had to pick for best picture um, between... Uh, it's hard. Argo uh, and Lincoln and Django and um, Zero Dark Thirty. I know you because none of you guys have still seen Silver Linings Playbook. I wouldn't right. be mad if Silver Linings Playbook won, but I, that wouldn't be my vote, but... If it won, I'd be like, okay, good job for that movie. But I well, I don't think I if any of it. those movies won, I would be. Yeah, I know, feel like there's a lot of movies that are really good that I would be like, oh, good for that movie. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, there's had, a lot had, of years really that I think big. are very good, but not. There's not one to me that sticks out as like this should win. I feel right, like Argo right. or Lincoln should win. In terms I think of that's what it'll come down to. I mean, I guess there's a chance Zero Dark Thirty could win, but I think, like, Zero Dark Thirty as a, as a movie, like, I feel like a movie should be entertaining and enjoyable <laughs> and should stand oh, yeah. together as, like, a movie as a whole, whereas Zero Dark Thirty was kind of, like, three different movies, and it was kind of hard to watch and not really enjoyable and didn't really have real See, characters. I so I, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, it was really good. It was good because it, like, was powerful, but I think... The, out of those movies that I've seen, I think Argo and Lincoln and Django are the best, but I don't think Django's going to win, no way, but I bet it's going to probably be Argo or Lincoln. Yeah, I would think Unless so. it's I mean, one of these movies we haven't seen, like Amor yeah, I was gonna say, what'll probably or Beasts of Sovereign Wild, that keep on getting all these nominations that we have no idea what they're about. <laughs> That's what'll probably happen. We'll all be like, oh. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I should see that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't pick. I mean, it, it, how how do you really? It's so subjective anyway. It's like how how do you actually choose between them? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you look at something like Django, and it's just such an entirely different film from Argo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're both mm-hmm. worthy of of the nominations. So certainly, it's like one of them has to win. But you're like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. And um, there weren't really many acting nominations for Argo other than, um, let's see, the supporting actor. Yeah, Alan Arkin was nominated for supporting role. And I guess that's the only acting nom. um, Yeah, I think it was. For for them. And then, but they did get, they might win for the adapted, I think it was either, I think they, but they were nominated for the writing. which they just won the Writers Guild Award for, um, for adapted screenplay. Um, I would not be surprised if they won. Um, although Silver Lines Playbook might be a contender there for the writing, because that yeah. movie I think is very much about its writing is very, very much its strength. But yeah, I mean Argo, I would not be surprised at all if they won the writing award. Um, Django is up for um, for original screenplay for the writing. Um, yeah. Up against Zero Dark Thirty, 
Um, I would want I would want Django to win over Zero Dark for the writing. I would say, but yeah, well, that's kind of hard because I mean, Zero Dark Thirty as a movie is. I mean, <laughs> I think the writing was one of its strengths. I mean, how how do you really tell that whole story? And I thought they did a good job. You obviously don't. So. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I thought it was like a powerful movie and everything, but I don't think it was like, oh, I want to watch that. None of. I feel like I never want to watch it again. Like same as Hurt Locker. I watched it. I'll never watch it again. Never. Like it's not entertaining in the sense that. I want to see that story again. It's like, it's just like, it well, seems like an yeah, exercise not... in, and I understand they like want to be realistic and everything. And Catherine Bigelow, uh, you know, she has a certain style and she wants to present things in a such a way, but it's like, if you can't also make an enjoyable movie and make it entertaining, then it's not for me. That's not a best picture. That's, that's a very, that's a, very interesting film and worth talking about, but I don't. I don't think it should be best picture if you don't even want to watch it again ever. See, I don't agree <laughs> with your characterization of what makes a film interest. Like what makes a film enjoyable? Like I, for me, it's not rewatchability. It's at the time was I riveted to the screen. And the answer is yes. For Hurt Locker, well, if you enjoy something, then you want to you want to experience it again. If you actually enjoy it, if you get some joy out of it you would want to revisit that experience. Whereas if... No, I mean, I understand that, but I mean, I don't think joy is... It affected you. But I'm just saying... It's one of the categories for best picture. I mean, like, (laughs) it's... I mean, I thought that there was no way to tell that story without the realism. No, I agree. I mean, you have to, but, like, there could have been some more character development about, like, some of these people and their relationships, or there could have been like some storytelling there beyond, you know, you could have yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that, yeah. It's like you could just make a documentary about what she's doing. Right. And it would... And kind of feel that way. It would have, you know, I don't, like, it doesn't have... She doesn't really focus on some of the storytelling aspects that I would appreciate more, like... To, well, her, her, her character does change, though. She um, does, but it's like, she does change, and but it's like... She's one, she's kind of like knows nothing at the beginning, then you cut ahead, then she's completely knows everything and is completely like in control of things and confident and then you switch ahead and she's burnout and desperate and clinging to it and you don't really like see that. I mean, I thought Jessica Chastain did a great job with it. Part of the problem there is that, given, is that but... they're telling this story over, like, ten years. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, um, yeah, they're telling this ten-year-long story, um, which is very... And, again, that's another one where it's it could be very complicated and convoluted. But they actually they do a good job of, I think, making it clear what they're Yeah, what as much as doing. they could make it clear. Especially because with her her particular character, she's particularly obsessed with this one person that she's looking for, you know, this, um, this courier, right. right? Uh, the courier right. of bin Laden and she's kind of going after him. Like basically she's the one, because for Colin who hasn't seen it, like she's the one who figured out that, um, there's a person next to bin Laden who, who like is his, um, courier and she kind of 
goes after who that man is and his identity mm-hmm. and where he is. And that's sort of how they end up finding Bin Laden. Yeah, um, they kind of get at that in the previews. Yeah, it was really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, that well, aspect that movie of it, but... really could have been a train wreck because the characters don't know anything about what's going on. Like, they don't know who that guy is or where he they, So they don't know what's happening. And... Yeah, it definitely doesn't make them doesn't look. Know what's it definitely doesn't make them look smart or efficient. Like, definitely doesn't make the people. I actually thought it made them look pretty good. I mean, the they're smart, that, like, but it's it, everything just find... takes so long. Everything is just like. Yeah, but if you think about what they're up against, it's like yeah. how do you figure out the identity of this person that you're not even sure exists? Like that's literally what it is. It's like we think this guy exists okay, we should find out who he is and where he is. What? I mean, how do you do that? It takes them eight years of torturing people and whatnot to actually get any leads on this guy. And, I mean, it really just shows you sort of how all of this stuff goes on behind the scenes and people really are this tenacious to try to get at these little tiny threads of information and all that stuff. And that part I thought was fascinating, Um, just the way that they went about doing this and it, how long it took but they still succeeded um i also liked the end where where the seal team attacks the house um i thought that was really well well done too and they really did not overplay like what was happening there like that could have been again we're talking about direction here right i mean that that could have been a like over the top patriotic like usa like moment Mm -hmm. and it wasn't at all you know, it was just like business as usual for these guys. You know, they didn't even know which one was Bin Laden. They just attacked this house like they would any other. And it was really well done, I thought. Yeah, although I have to say that was one example of where knowing from history the reality kind of took away a little bit because I knew none of those. Like, you kind of get to know a few of those SEAL team members and you're like, oh, no, you don't want them to die. But then I knew that there were no U.S. casualties in the strike on Bin Laden. Like, that's one of the things Obama gets to brag about, right? That um, there were no U.S. casualties in that strike. So I knew none of those guys were going to die. (laughs) So That didn't take anything away from the scene. It was something I thought about because everything took so long. The movie was so freaking long. I didn't think it needed to be that long. (laughs) Every movie is too long these days oh my gosh like i yeah. don't understand what i, I, see, so I don't agree with you there either i thought like like the, this is what we just the on. torture stuff at the beginning was like its own full movie like by the time all the torture stuff was over and they weren't even to the obama administration yet they were still back in the bush years um yeah i thought they really had to show that though. it was i mean i guess it was necessary because they really you have to realize how complicated and long lasting you know this search has been and how it's just little bits of information get gleaned over the years. I mean, I get that like understandably, but, um, I don't know. It just, it, the movie just felt really long. And also <laughs> I felt a little uncomfortable. The, the torture didn't really bother me so much. Like I'm used to seeing stuff like that on screen. Now I'm like pretty desensitized, but it, it's not like I enjoy it at all. Like it makes me uncomfortable, but it doesn't, I don't really have to look away too much or anything, but, um, uh, I was there, I watched the movie with my mom and she like can't handle that stuff. So I was like feeling really like upset on her behalf while I was watching it because (laughs) I was like, Oh no, this is horrible. She's just like so unhappy right now. Um, but, 
I don't know. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting, I was listening, I don't know if it was like on the radio or a podcast I was listening to, there was sort of the discussion of, is the thesis of the movie that torturing all of these people for eight years was what allowed us to find bin Laden? See, I don't, I don't is, think that... Is this movie promoting torture? Um, yeah, I think that's pretty ridiculous because I don't think that it was promoting torture at all. Or I thought that it took a very sort of neutral stance on that. It was like, this is what they did. This is how they got the information. Do you know? Take do with it what you will. You know that mm-hmm. that's that's what I I did not see that movie at all as saying like torture is great. We should do it no, all the time. No, no, definitely not. Torture is great. However, and I mean they definitely showed the the negative aspect of like go having to do all that torture. Like it, the main that one guy who was like the main torturer guy. Yeah. Um. You know, after a few years, he finally is like, you know, I, I, I can't handle this anymore. I need to, like, go new, do normal things. Like, this is right. you know, basically... He's I have to lose, live like a human He's again. losing his humanity by, you know, having just torturing these men over and over again. He's, he's sort of losing... So, you know, you get that there's an emotional toll and that this is not, like, good thing to be doing, right? But at the same time, the information gleaned from from those torture sessions is what ultimately yeah. and, and allowed her. She goes about over and over all of those tapes and um, is what allowed her to get this information. Um, but I guess it's just, you know, that's just the reality of what happened that right. this that's happened. And it. so, um, but it's kind of weird to think it's so recently that was U S government policy um, because we're so conditioned to think the U S doesn't torture. And then, you know, um, then you know Abu Ghraib happened, and we realized, oh yeah, we do um, torture. Well, see, I, don't, <laughs> um, I don't. I personally don't believe that that stuff still doesn't go on at all. I mean, I think that well, this is the kind of thing that's gonna go on and does go on. And there's a political cost now. Now that it's made public yes. to the people, they have to be more careful. They can't just go and torture whoever they want because there's um, political ramifications. Because now people know because it goes against American values to torture. Like it honestly does go against American values. So obviously if the American government's doing it, American people aren't going to be happy. Um, right. But at the same time, I think this movie really touched on a nerve that there's, there's sort of always been this discrepancy between what our stated value and not just us. I mean like humans in general, like what your stated values are versus what you're willing to, to tolerate with that you don't see, you know, and, and I feel like <laughs> these agencies that exist to like protect us often operate outside the values of the place that they're protecting. And they sort of have to in one respect. And on the other hand, you don't like that they do, but what is the way to get And this movie shows that without commenting on it? Mm -hmm. which I thought was really, really smart of them because this way, I mean, it doesn't alienate anyone. This could have been like a really left wing movie or a really right wing movie. And then half the country would hate it. Mm -hmm. And it'd be also propaganda piece, but it's not, it doesn't really do any of that. 
It, it's that's that's similar to what like um, she did. Catherine Bigelow did in um, Hurt Locker too. She she she's very much kind of presents the stark reality versus making an argument about it. Um, right, which is what I like that movie um, too. You know, so I see that. But I like what you said about this idea that there's a conflict between what our ideals are and what the people who have to protect those ideals have, have to do. Um, it, that made me think of serenity. Colin, you can pay attention now because we're talking about serenity. Uh, um, <laughs> because in the movie, when the, um, the, the so quote unquote bad guy um, ends up, the key says, you know, I'm a monster, so I won't be able to live. I'm I'm making things for the future. I'm I'm preparing things for the future, but I won't get to live on it because live in it because I'm a monster. Like he has to do all these terrible things for the greater good. This idea that right. uh, he's going to prepare things so that other people can have happy, peaceful, good lives. He feels that he's justified in. Um, you know, murdering this innocent girl, River, <laughs> um, right. because it will allow this greater good that will, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. There seems to be this idea that there are some people whose job it is to do the tough yes, stuff exactly. in order for the good pe- people to have a comfortable life. Um, and so some people do see the military in that way. Like they. Um, well, I don't but, even think it's the military. I think it's like the, you know, it's like the secret organizations and you know right. it's funny like that you immediately thought of serenity well obviously and, i would and i immediately thought of star trek deep space nine because there's in one of those seasons you find out that the federation actually has this agency that's exactly like that that does all these <laughs> hugely immoral things and nobody knew they existed and everyone's like oh my god how can this happen <laughs> and the whole there's several episodes about these guys and it's all about that conflict mm-hmm. and this was before any of this this stuff was going on or at least before any of this stuff was publicized. Um, so once again, Star Trek doing something awesome uh-huh. ahead of its time. But anyway, I just immediately thought of that where it's like mm-hmm. they, they get at that in, in, in those episodes and, and we, we all, we all have our go-tos apparently. And mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, it's Star Trek for you. It's Joss <laughs> Whedon, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, but, Anyway, I, mean, I think that was the strength of the movie. Now, whether it's a, a best picture, I wouldn't say that it should win for best picture. I thought it was a good movie. It was really well executed. I thought everybody in it was really good. Um, but is it better than some of the ones we've talked about? No. I'm surprised that Catherine Bigelow didn't get a nomination for a director because so even though for me, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best writing in the world. I feel like her direction is really good because that – I feel like those kind of movies that you just think, oh, that must be so hard to make. Like, to give it that authentic feel, I feel like those oh, yeah. types of things are what deserve a, a best director. Like, they have a vision that is, you know... Right, it's very That kind of movie Argo takes in, a very in, specific in. vision. It takes it takes a real dedication to, you know, I, I have no idea what it involves because I'm not a Hollywood director. But, I mean, you just watch that movie and you're like, wow, that, you know, you can... It's, it's amazing what they accomplished, especially, like, how did they do those helicopter scenes, like, at the end? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's, like, it's crazy. It's exactly. crazy. Like, like, um, so I hope we didn't spoil it too much for you, Colin, but, I mean, you know, those uh-huh. are all pop points you would assume would be, you know, in there. One kind of funny <laughs> connection to Argo is that... Um, uh, Kyle Chandler, he's he played in Zero Dark Thirty. He's the he's um, 
Jessica Chastain's boss who get, ends up getting fired. Um, yeah. The jerky oh, yeah, boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's the jerky guy that tries to stop Ben Affleck from um, going to Iran to rescue the people. And the one that was like trying to stop him and then the other guy goes over his head. Um, Breaking Bad guy goes over his right. head. And, and yeah. so it's kind of like funny, like his... Uh, like he's a jerky CIA guy. He, yeah, he's like this jerky yeah. CIA guy in both movies and also <laughs> dealing with the Middle East and not doing very well. <laughs> with yeah, it's like a very, very narrow typecasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the next movie he's going to Well, be it's in? really funny because he played the most likable, wonderful character on Friday Night Lights. Like he was this, co- he was the coach on Friday Night Lights. And now he has been cast as um, a cardinal in the show, the Vatican that Showtime is producing. Like, um, it's like, I don't even, it's like, he's just all over the map. Wow. He's <laughs> cardinal. Yeah. He's going to play a cardinal. Like, I'm like, yeah. so it'll be yeah, different. Yeah. <laughs> So you got to be like in in like uh, Afghanistan somewhere as a, as a cart. <laughs> I hope he's not, not a jerk. Doing so well for the I hope he's not playing like a jerk because it really upsets me when he plays a jerk. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I just love Coach Taylor so much. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. So, but yeah, it's funny. I, I just and there were a lot of um, small TV actors in Zero Dark Thirty Two who was like, oh, it's Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec, and oh. It's um, this guy from from Vampire Diaries, and oh, it's that guy from you know. There's just so many. Um, it's an it's it was it reminded me of Argo in a lot of the ways um, because it had a similar sort of sprawling cast and so many different like oh hey it's that guy um, <laughs> right. people. Right. So, but for me, it wasn't as. Um, and it, it wasn't as much of an enjoyable movie-going experience for me as Argo. I didn't like it. Felt long and wasn't like it didn't have any like fun parts at all. <laughs> no, no, the whole movie is just like yeah. you know, like there's at least Argo. Yeah, he there's a lot of high stakes, but there were some fun parts. Like I love the part when he's trying to explain to them like like that bike idea <laughs> like he's trying to get oh, we'll, we'll send them some bikes and he's like um yeah they'll ride out it yeah. happens to and be with, like and if winter they don't know how to ride bikes we'll send <laughs> yeah they don't know how and yeah we'll send someone to teach them yeah, it was like oh that's u.s policy when people are trapped we'll send him some bikes like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oh, and, and there were some cute parts with like the um well, all the, the scenes Argo, with John Goodman. Yeah, all Alex. the Hollywood stuff was so fun. So, like, at least yeah, you had a little, little bit of a party reprieve. and flash read through. You know, oh, my oh yeah, that was, was so great. good. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, and it's all like serious, but like you could tell it. This it's all like completely BS. That was, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I just think movies are better when they're not like all one thing. When they have some variation and of tone, and it's not just all like. Ooh, super dark, depressing, serious, serious <laughs> business. Yeah, okay. I'll All the time. That. You know. But Jessica Chastain was good. I mean, I think so did she get nominated? Yeah, she got nominated for actress yeah. in a leading role. Um if you guys haven't seen Silver Linings, Jennifer Lawrence is really good in it. Um so I would I would want Jennifer Lawrence to win over Jessica Chastain, but I mean, I wouldn't be like mad if Chastain won. She's good. Um. Yeah, she really was able to convey that, like, I know I'm right. 
Yeah, she was very... Like really powerfully, I thought. She was very dedicated and single-minded about it. and you When everyone her. else around her is not sure, she's mm-hmm. like, I'm sure. Like, my, my favorite scene was in that, like, CIA briefing where... <laughs> Where everyone's like, give me, a, where, where you know, uh, Panetta's like, give me a percentage, and they're like, sixty percent, seventy percent, fifty percent. She's like, one hundred percent. Yeah, like, she's, she's like, I know you guys don't like certainty, but I'm telling you, one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> like, that part was. They're good. like, oh, okay, you know. And they all think she's crazy, and I like how she got done yeah. putting the number on the wall, like how many. Um, oh yeah, how many days? How many it's days been? it had been since they hadn't done anything, and yeah, um, so. Yeah, so she 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 is good. She gave a good. She won the Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah, she did win Best Actress for Zero Dark Thirty. I think what happened was maybe at the Golden Globes, um, that because I thought Jennifer Lawrence won too. I wonder if Jennifer Lawrence was supporting role. I mean, let me Google that. Don't the Golden Globes distinguish between comedy and drama, or like, I guess they're both do, drama. Though, but so. I feel like Zero Dark should. Um, I'm um, sure they're both drama, so. Yeah, but she did win because they both gave speeches, but I'm just trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, she won for, oh, they do divide it into comedy or musical. They they called Silver Lines Playbook a comedy, I guess, which is weird. I guess it's a dark comedy. I mean, it's about all about, like, battling depression. <laughs> Well, that could be funny if you, if you did it right. But it's, I mean, it's... If com- you're not the one that's depressed. There is humor yeah, exactly. to it. There is humor. It's it's a kind of manic humor, but um, it does have a lot of humor to it because, but it's very dark. So I guess they're counting it as a comedy. I guess the Golden Globes get to do that so then they get to give out more awards. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not mad. I'm glad Jennifer Lawrence got to win. But yeah, Jennifer Lawrence won, and um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll probably be either her or Jessica Chastain who are going to win the Academy Award. So I'm voting for Jennifer Lawrence because she gives the best speeches and is awesome. And she well, gave her speech. It, so she, um, have you guys seen Winter's Bone? No. She was nominated um, uh, either last year or the year before for Winter's Bone. And if that was, oh, she was amazing in that. And then she got cast in The Hunger Games. Um, and the Hunger Games, you know, it's not Academy Award kind of movie, but um, but the, she as an right. actress is really good. Like Winter's Bone is definitely worth watching. I would recommend it for sure. It's I don't know how to describe it, but it's really good. And <laughs> and Jennifer Lawrence was funny because on her speech at the Golden Globes, she was like, um, she goes. I, what does it say? I beat Meryl. Um, like when she looked at her globe, cause it's, um, because she Meryl. went up against Meryl Streep. And, um, but it's also, that's a quote from, um, from First Wise Club. Like there's a oh. part where um, she, the, the girl in First Wise Club is like, what does it say? I beat Meryl. And I was like, actually a quote. So then all these people were mad at Jennifer Lawrence that she said that they were like, I can't believe she would, she would, um, so disrespectful. Like, yeah, th- say she was like better than Meryl, you know, blah blah. And it's like she's like hello. Well, it's a movie. you know, to be Come. fair, Meryl Streep did that in her third Academy Award uh, win, like last year, <laughs> two years ago, where 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 she was giving her speech and she was like, oh, I bet everyone is just like, oh god, not her again. She's like, oh well, what the hell, I won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like was a that. really good speech. That was a really which good I thought speech. was, was great, so but like. 
So, I mean, everyone gets so People bad are so shape about this but, yeah. thing. Come but on. But seriously, like, if you watch any Jennifer Lawrence um, interviews or talk show, like, if she goes on a talk show or has any interview, everything she says is amazing and hilarious. She's so funny. Like, I just love her. I want to be best friends with her. Um, <laughs> Whoa. So, you guys should like her. You guys should. That got a little stalkery there. Um, <laughs> no. That's awesome. So, <sighs> she's just really, she just is very, like, exactly how she is she doesn't try to do like that hollywood um like you know how they prep them for answers like this is what the kind yeah. of things you should say and the, you always like every time you hear an interview in hollywood it's always like the same stuff repeated over and over again but she's so just happy. like a wild card she'll just say whatever she feels like say <laughs> right which is refreshing it's very refreshing so it's so i hope she wins and not just for the speech because but also because she's really good actress and um she was really good in Silver Linings Playbook, even though they're pretending it's a comedy, but I don't really think it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, any what other movies have you guys seen lately at the theaters? Terrible ones. <laughs> Not Gangster Squad. <laughs> Gangster Squad was just terrible. Yeah. Well, uh, terrible is unfair. It wasn't that it wasn't atrocious it, was it just bad. was like so not good at all <laughs> it just didn't need to exist and i'm not better for having seen it yep so i guess um i guess that's we can wrap things up i'll be i'll be interested to see uh how things go on uh next weekend with the academy awards um or i guess is it this weekend technically this weekend, uh, yeah. This yeah. Weekend. Well, yeah. Well, this yeah. Today's actually Monday. Today is so, actually yeah. Monday, even though it's a holiday. So this weekend, finally, the Golden Globes will air, and finally, that's the end of award season. And uh, we'll see. We'll see who wins. I hope for good things for Argo. We'll see if any of our predictions come true. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like I never have time to like see everything, so I can never make like a real fair. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you, there's always yeah. like those artsy films that just don't come to your theater that. <laughs> yeah, it's like it'd be nice to like get the screeners. If I got the screeners, uh, I would totally watch them all and I could make an informed decision. <laughs> but it's too hard to see them all. So, OK, well, thanks so much, you guys, for joining me. And this is really fun. Thanks for having us. And yeah. great. I don't know if there's any good movies coming up in soon or anything. Um, Probably not. <laughs> it looks pretty dire. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see beautiful creatures. I'm going to see that in tomorrow. Maybe because um, I read the book, but I don't think you guys would like it at all. Have I think guys... it's pretty grim until like May ish. Maybe, you know, yeah. End of April, May, somewhere in April or May. When does like GI Joe come out? Oh God. That's in March, I think. Okay. They're, they're doing another one of those? Well, because remember how they, it was <laughs> going to come out, um, like, gonna come out the same time. time as, like, Battleship, but then they, like, um, oh, yeah. delayed it? Well, because Channing Tatum got really popular, so all of a sudden they wanted to reshoot a lot of stuff so that they could include more Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, they said, no, no, it's because we want to do it in 3D because everyone's clamoring for it, which is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's asking for that. Yeah. Oh, and you hey, know Bruce Willis hey. is in it too, and it was funny because um before some movie I was seeing it had the G.I. Joe trailer, um, 
the Die Hard, the latest Die Hard movie, and some other movie, and they're all Bruce Willis. My mom was like, <laughs> Bruce Willis must get really confused. He's in everything. She's like, yeah. like, does he ever get like confused about like which part he's playing? Because all his why... parts are kind of the same too. So it's like, that's why Tom he's playing the same guy in every movie. He's Jack in Oblivion. Huh? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's why his yeah. Jack Reacher and Jack in Oblivion. Yeah, exactly. I guess it, I, Jack so I guess he doesn't Jack Harper. Or so I guess like he doesn't get confused because he just plays the same guy in every movie. So it's just yeah, like okay, I'm showing up to be Bruce Willis. <laughs> he plays Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it works out good. Yeah, we'll have to see if there's anything next time. There's a fun a fun movie to discuss, and we can. Um, do this again so that will be good yeah. the earliest one i i looked at a list and the earliest film that i'm actually looking forward to isn't until march 29th and that's a limited release <laughs> oh <laughs> what is it it's it's called the place beyond the pines it's a ryan gosling movie well that's my number one kind of movie ryan gosling <laughs> but it looks movies. very dark grim and violent so okay well but it still has ryan gosling in it yeah yeah I'll and, watch. Now, and now I don't think it has Colin Firth in it, so that might be a negative well, in its problem, but, you know. <laughs> not but. every movie can have Colin Firth. <laughs> I've accepted that. And <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I have been able so, to move on with my life. That's pretty grim. That's more than a month. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. Well, I am excited for Beautiful Creatures, even though it bombed at the box office this week, um, <laughs> this weekend, unfortunately, because... I read the books. They're like a young adult, like um, Southern Gothic kind of romance books. Um, it's like witches, and um, but I don't think you would like it. Well, I, I saw it, it would depend on if it's good, I guess, whether you would like it. <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to end up being good. It does have some good actors, and it has um, it has um, Jeremy Irons and um, uh, Emma Emma. British Emma, who's in everything. What's Emma name? Thompson? Yes, Emma Thompson. Yeah, I'm probably not going to see it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like Emma Thompson, and yeah. I like Jeremy Irons, but... Yeah, yeah <laughs> but no. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what was the movie you want, You warned us against watching, um, Colin? It was like oh, Last no, Stand? The Last Stand is really bad. So, it's really bad. Don't okay. see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't... Yeah, I remember. Yeah. What was it when we went? We all went to see The Hobbit back yeah. when you were still out here, Lucia. And, and then, like, I saw the, I saw the poster for that. Like, and it was hilarious where the movie theater put it. It was like behind a thing, and there was like a dumpster <laughs> in front of it and stuff. Like, they like hit the movie poster too. I was like, was that Arnold Schwarzenegger with the Gatling gun? Is that Johnny Knoxville? I'm like, oh my god. So, <laughs> I'm not surprised by the horrible. No, that I just wanted a good old-fashioned schlocky action movie with Arnold, and I did not get that. It was just boring. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't even that. It didn't even rise to that level. No. Yeah. In fact, I saw Jack Reacher about two weeks before I saw that, and I actually thought that was pretty good. It's nothing great. It'll never go down in history or anything, but it's entertaining at least. Mm-hmm. But The Last Stand was not entertaining. Yeah. Are you? How could it not be entertaining? It has Arnold and guns. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how That's what you, I went into the theater thinking. How do you wreck that formula? But apparently they did. <laughs> uh, 
You know how you wreck that formula? Because it's not the 80s anymore. <laughs> yeah. How you wreck that formula. Uh. Okay. Well, thanks again, you guys. And if any of you listening have any feedback, you can email um, at heroinetv at gmail.com or you can comment on the blog post. And I do want to get more comments, but I ask for comments at the end of every podcast and I don't get any emails. <laughs> alas alas alack sigh but um but thank you so much for listening even if you don't email i still appreciate you <laughs> and uh so i guess hopefully i'll have another po- podcast that's tv related um coming in the next couple weeks i i decided to find somebody who wants to podcast with me so maybe well, maybe kyle will want to about talk about downton with you yeah, yeah maybe you can talk about downtown with me so because okay. i actually have a lot to say about that show so <laughs> there's a lot to say about this right season. so okay well enjoy the rest of your um, monday holiday you guys and i hope to talk to you soon goodbye yeah. bye yeah. God, we're hot chicks with superpowers. Takes the edge off. Comforting. Mm-hmm.